Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Well, thank you again, Cecilia, for joining us tonight and talking a little bit more about your story. Before we get into that, I will say I have heard that you are quite the traveler. So I'm interested if you'd be willing to tell us about some of the coolest places you've been throughout your traveling time. All right. Okay. So let me introduce myself first. My name is Cecilia Kangwa. I was born on July 4th, 1986, which actually tends to be Americans' independence. I'm from a country called Zambia, Africa, which has about 50, Africa has about 54 countries, and I come from a country called Zambia. I love traveling. I have been to about seven, eight countries. I've been to Kenya. I've been to Ethiopia. I've been to Turkey. I've been to Dubai. I've been to Zimbabwe. I've been to so many different countries in in Africa to mention, but a few. And this is my first time being in America. I came to America last year in July. And at this point, unfortunately, what brings us to here tonight is our common connection to to cancer. So would you be willing to share a little bit more about your diagnosis and where you are in treatment? So I was diagnosed last year, October, 9th October, that I had cancer. I had my first surgery on October 16th for the gallbladder removal. So before I had my gallbladder removal, I didn't know that I had cancer. So after my first surgery, they took uh, whatever they took out to the lab. And then two days later, I was told I had cancer. So three days after my first surgery, I had another surgery of the liver surgery. They had to slice off where the liver was lying. And a month later, I started my chemotherapy. So I started my chemotherapy last year, November, up to date. I have gone through several different types of drugs of chemotherapy. I think about five now. I've been on a study drug. I've been on uh, two different pills, and now I'm back on the IV treatment with a different drug. A little over a year on treatment and a year and two months or so since since the surgery. Given that at that time you were you know, newly arrived to the United States, what were you experiencing that drove you to make a doctor's appointment? Okay, I experienced so many challenges when I started my chemotherapy, I must say. Then I didn't have insurance, so I would uh, my family would drive me back and forth to the hospitals, and I would collapse any time. It was very hard for them also to accept, and then I had not yet accepted my situation, so it was very hard considering also my test bags were used my African food. So after coming out of the hospital, eating also was becoming a problem. Going to doctor's appointment was a problem. My accent too was a problem to communicate with um, doctors. I was getting frustrated. I was facing so many challenges that people were not understanding me. But with time, after going through several counseling, that Hershey Medical Center, they introduced me to some counselors, which I did go through some counseling. It actually made things easier for me, especially in, in, in the communication area. Thank you for, for sharing that and bringing that up. I think we've in the past talked about cancer is, is such a hard experience as is. And then you layer on, you know, being in a different country, 
and feeling like you're in an, an entirely new environment and brought out some of the challenges that, that you face. Would you be willing to, to talk a little bit more about the communication challenges um, and how, how that played out between you and your, your care professionals both? My communication challenge has always been there, considering my doctor is um, Chinese. So at first, it was very hard for me. Most of the times when he tells me things, I'll just agree to whatever he was saying. So after he tells me, when he leaves, I'll tell my nurse coordinator to interpret and tell me what he was talking about. But with time, I later became very close to him and I told him that I was not understanding what he was saying. So most of the times he would write down if I haven't understood what he's explained to me, he would write it down. And then I would also, you know, understand. And then the other doctor, I remember who did my, my liver surgery, also used to write on a piece of paper to communicate with me because he was very fast in communicating with me and I couldn't get whatever he was saying. But with time now that I, I do go back and forth to the hospital, I am now used and it's very easy now to hear and understand what they are talking about. Certainly with, with time, some of, the, some of the terms used, some of the drugs used become yeah. a little bit more familiar. Yeah, it, it gets easier. Lucky enough to not face um, some of those barriers when getting treatment, but can very much relate to the feeling of a doctor walking <laughs> out of the room and thinking, I wish I wrote that down, or like, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure I totally followed that. Yeah. And as we know, doctors are short on time, so try to get as much as you can when they're, when they're in the room. Exactly. You said counseling was particularly helpful for you in communication. So what role did that play? Okay, so the hardest part about cancer, I think, for me, was knowing that I had it. It was very difficult for me to accept that I had cancer, especially that I am, and then I was still, I'm still in a foreign land. When I was told I had cancer, it was very, very hard to accept it. Uh, if I can take you back, in 2015, I lost a very, very close friend of mine who I nursed until her last breath. And I saw what she went through. She had muscles. She passed through hell. So whenever I hear of cancer, I think of her. So when I was told I had cancer, it was very difficult to accept it because the first thing which came in my mind was my late friend. I thought I was I was going to go through whatever she went through, the souls she had. She couldn't walk. She couldn't. She, her body was swollen. So it was very, very difficult for me to accept it. And the fact that my mom was back home in my, in my country because I am so close to her, it was very difficult for me to accept. But thank God the counselors were very, very helpful for me to accept my situation. And that the other thing I was lacking was knowledge. I did not have any knowledge about cancer. So with time after doing the research, reading books about cancer, reading stories of what people have gone through, that really, really made a big difference in my life. And it really made a big step uh, of accepting what I was going through because I knew that I had no control over what was going on in my life. I had to accept it and live with it. And cancer is, a, is really a long-term thing that one needs to have patience. So I came to terms where I had to accept it. Things you mentioned there, one is the concept and the idea of being being treated in a foreign land and then two you know your mom is is back home and so in a, in a completely different location so i'm curious what has the experience been like being so far away from from your mom and other family members as you're being treated in this foreign land 
my experience was very, I'd say 50% bad, 50% okay, because I came in terms with um, other people from church because when I, I used to live in Pomera before I moved to Hershey. So I came in contact with people who, had, who were going through the same challenge I was going through. So it became very easy for me to interact with them such that I felt like those, they were giving me the, the love I was missing from my brothers and sisters and my mom back home. So it became very, very much easier from people around there in Pomara, my neighbors, my churchmates. They gave me the love I was missing from my family back home. I did have one cousin there in Pomara who I was living with, but she wasn't enough. I needed the love, the care from my mom, you know, just love all around I was missing. So people around there in Pomara, friends, um, together with my cousin, at least they made it easier for me to cover up the love I was missing from my sisters and mom. That's very nice to hear. Uh, just encouraging that the community stepped up to support you in a time where I'm certain and know from experience that you need it. When you look back, as, as we said, you've been on some form of treatment for a little over a year now. So you said you didn't have many preconceived notions, but you did have a friend who had gone through it. So assume had some feel for what you could expect. But I'm curious what the hardest challenge that um, you didn't expect has been. The hardest challenge for me has been my body change. Like everything about my body has changed. This is what I was not expecting because the time I was um, told I had cancer and I was I was about to start chemo, the only thing which came to my mind was, okay, maybe I'll lose my hair, I'll do this. I did not know how the body will respond to the chemotherapy. So the hardest challenge I've had is fatigue. There are so many, so many body changes, but the hardest one is fatigue. I wake up very tired. I go to bed very tired. I do everything very tired. Recently, I was in hospital and my, and my blood count was at six. I had to just last week, Friday, I had to do blood transfusion. So maybe because my hemoglobin too is very low, that also contributes to me getting tired. So my hardest challenge has been fatigue, but I have so many other challenges going on with my body. Fatigue is certainly a tough one. And, and you said you had a hemoglobin of six? Yes. Yeah, that is. Friday. That is very, very low. Outside of blood transfusions, have you found anything that helps with the fatigue? Not really. I do try other remedies. I do Google stuff, people say on Facebook, but it hasn't really, really been helpful. And the other thing I've noticed, because I have been on five different drugs, so these drugs also do come with different challenges. I might say the challenges and the reactions are similar, though they are different in, in some way. So this is uh, Shelly jumping in here as I listen. I really am getting this idea, Cecilia, that there is so many ways that cancer yeah. is a totally different country. Uh, it really is a foreign territory. Even for me, who's never traveled as a patient in cancer land, I listen to you and Casey talk about hemoglobin numbers. That's another language to me. Like, I, I don't know what the, the numbers are supposed to be. So I don't understand. But both of you understood so well what that meant for being tired. So yeah, I just am struck by how strange it must have been to find yourself here in the United States 
and then to find yourself in this strange land of the hospital. What I'm curious about goes back to what was what 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 brought you to the United States in the first place? Okay, so since I love traveling, I wanted to travel in 2019. I decided to visit the United States in 2019, but because of COVID, the airports were closed, and instead, I decided to go to Turkey in Istanbul. So I visited Turkey and I was there for about a month. And then when I came back, uh, hoping that I'll find the American embassy open and it was too close due to COVID. And um, not until last year, 2021, when they responded to me that the embassy was open. And I I did proceed with uh, my application with a visa. And I decided to travel because I have uh, about four families who, who are here in the United States, but they are not in one state. So the person who used to live in uh, Palmyra relocated to Chicago. And then I had no option. By the time she relocated to Chicago, I had to remain here in um, Palmyra alone because of my cancer treatment. So then I used to live at a hotel there in Hershey. It was very, very hard for me, but thank God I'm here now. So I came here to visit. Unfortunately, I was diagnosed with cancer. But in some other way, I thank God I was here. Everything happened here because hospitals back home in Africa are not like in America. So I really, really thank God that whatever is going on happened while I'm here. And I'm actually getting best treatment, I must say. So you came expecting to connect with several different families. Yes. And the first place you came was here in Pennsylvania. And then that person moved to Chicago. Yes, so they relocated to Chicago. In fact, we relocated together from Palmyra. We relocated together in Chicago. So I only stayed there in Chicago for two weeks, and my reactions became so bad because my next doctor's appointment was in three weeks. I was planning to travel back to Pennsylvania in three weeks, but two weeks after getting there, I became so sick, so I had to travel back here. And then here, I didn't have anybody living here because she was the only person I knew who was staying here and then she had relocated. So we had to find another alternative where I would stay while getting my treatment. So we came up with an idea of, uh, my family came up with an idea of raising money and uh, finding me an affordable hotel where I could stay until I finished my treatment. So I stayed um, at a hotel called Red Roof in Hershey for about two to three months. That's where I was. And then sometimes I would just collapse alone in the, I would collapse in the, in the room and I'll just press the emergency number to the ambulance will come and pick me and rush me to Hershey. That was when I was doing the, the IV treatment because I had stopped the pills and then I started the IV treatment. So the other thing I've noticed doing the IV treatment is more harder than me having the pills. I'm kind of like, um, I, I can't get my mind around it because, I mean, I've watched a lot of young adults go through cancer treatment and it's turned their life upside down, but generally their family has been here. Casey, I'm wondering what's going through your head as you listen to Cecilia's experience of her life being turned upside down. I, I'm just imagining how on the hardest days, it was really, really helpful to have help from others around. So I can't imagine staying in a hotel and sorry, you had the situations where you collapsed and, and had to call for an ambulance. 
and feel very grateful for for the help and support I had. And I'm curious if that was your previous living arrangement where you are today. Okay, so after living in Hotel for for several months, I have my uncle who works at the embassy. He lives in Maryland. So he had to come in and um, arrange um, an apartment for me near the hospital. So right now, I'm at an apartment where I moved in November 1st. So I would say from June to November 1st, I was just back and forth to the hospitals at the hotel. If my appointment is maybe two to three weeks, I'll go. I now changed. In fact, instead of going back to Chicago, I would now go to my uncles in Maryland until we had to come up with a solution of um, them finding me an apartment close to the hospital. And I must say between November 1st and now, I have been admitted twice. And the ambulance had to come and pick me because I had to collapse in the house. So I'm happy that I'm close to the hospital now. So my living situation finally has been settled. And hopefully have, have quick access in situations like when you need it and in a situation, like you said, where you collapsed and had to be admitted. Okay, so after my second surgery, they had to slice off my, my, my liver where the gallbladder was lying. And my liver generated back to its normal size. In March, they spotted tumors growing on my liver where the liver had generated. So from March up to now, those two tumors have grown and almost covering the whole liver. So the most um, worrying part now is not the cancer. Because my doctor told me that he's not worried about the cancer. He's worried about the tumor. It's like they are growing every week. They are growing every week. So I'm at a point where I'm able to feel them. Those days when there was no small, I, I couldn't feel, feel the pain, but now I'm able to feel the pain. So I think the, the worrying part now is the tumors and the tumors plus the cancer. I think they're all both just sucking my blood. So Cecilia, just a clarifying question. For some people, they think of cancer and the tumors as the same thing. But for you, do you experience them as different? Yes, they are two different things. Yes. Okay. And that the tumor pain has been what's causing you to need extra help support at the hospital. Exactly. Cecilia, what, what we were talking about a little bit earlier was some of there's the physical challenges that come with cancer, but also the mental challenges. And that can be really difficult to face in a myriad of different ways. But one thing that a lot of people look to or or have something to to grasp onto to help them get through. And I'm curious, what what have you found to be something that gives you hope, something that gives you motivation, that it gives you inspiration as you go through all of these, you know, different types of treatments and surgeries and things of that nature? At first when I was told I had cancer, I thought I was the only one who had this situation. Everybody who had cancer, they had it different and it was easier for them. And I thought mine was the hardest one. So since I love to read, I love to hear people's stories. I love to Google things. I began to read a lot, knowing more about cancer. And I tend to find that I was far, far much better than other people. And that really, really gave me a lot of hope you know, a lot of courage, a lot of, a lot of hope for me to wake up and thanking God that, okay, I am, I am okay. I'm going through this and this is not a life um, 
sentence, I'll be better one day. And that really gave me hope hearing people's stories and what they went through. And that really gave me hope. One thing you mentioned there was you having the opportunity to hear about other people and hear their stories outside of reading or things you may have seen online. Have you had the chance to connect with other patients um, when you've been in the hospital? Yes, there was one time I went for my infusion. I sat with this old man beside me who was telling me his story. He told me he, he's had about 11 surgeries. And it actually freaked me out when I only had two surgeries, which I keep complaining, worrying about everything. And he told me he's, he's had 11 surgeries and he has about nine tumors on his head. And he told me scary things that I was like, okay, I am fine. I should not complain anymore. So I have interacted with quite a few a few people, but not on that level where they've told me what they've gone through, just on the basic part of their story. I'd really, really love to meet somebody who I can talk to and hear him, his or her story deep so that I can learn more from that person. What's the first thing that you would ask them? I would ask them about their body change. This has really, I have never, I don't know how to describe it. It's indescribable. Like everything just changes. You know, the time I started my chemo IV treatment, sometimes I'll just look at the window thinking nothing. You know, at times you even intend, oh, okay, is this doctor trying to kill the cancer or he's trying to kill me? You just find yourself looking at the wall with wide open eyes without thinking. I don't know. Everything just changes. Everything just changes. And you tend to wonder whether the doctor is trying to kill the cancer or he's trying to kill you. So. I think it's about the body change. I imagine that sometimes you don't feel like yourself. It's so yeah. different. Sometimes you don't want to talk. You just want to be in the bedroom. You want to be in a dark place. You just don't want to talk to anybody. Sometimes you're in a mood of talking. Everything just changes. The physical changes and how it makes you feel are something that I completely agree with. I think might be the hardest part throughout it. Coming to terms with the fact that right now I can't. I can't change it and I just have to get through it. But that that is much easier said than done. Have you found, like, are there any tips or tricks that you've found that like this helps, this makes me more comfortable? What have you done to, to try to make it better? Okay, at the moment, nothing. So today I'll be in a mood of eating. Tomorrow I won't be in a mood of eating. Tomorrow I'll be in a mood of watching movies. Today I won't be in a mood. So I no longer have a favorite thing. I no longer have a favorite movie. I no longer have favorite food. So everything about me has changed. And the fact that they keep changing drugs, I feel like sometimes I get mad. I don't know. So for now, I haven't found anything that that really has much to calm me down or to make me feel happy. Because every day is a new day and every day I face new things. Every day I love different things. I know that um, one of the things that a lot of people turn to are their favorite, you know, comfort foods. But you mentioned it's not so easy to get your favorite foods from back home here. Yes. What do, have you been doing for food that you, is there any, have you been preparing food from back home? Or are you uh, reluctantly eating our hospital food? <laughs> no, I, I'm tired of eating your mac and cheese, guys. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh. That mac and cheese can only you can only have it so many days, right? Yeah. So my mom is actually here with me. She came in uh, October 14th, and she will be with me up to January. 
So she brought me in um, some African food. So since October and up to that, I've been having um, African food. And before then, when I went to Maryland at my uncle's, I found um, most of the African food. So I would eat sometimes, but because of the vomiting, I would take it sometimes, but still vomit. So I don't eat as much as I used to eat when I was back home. In short, I don't enjoy the African food as much as I used to enjoy it back home. Nowadays, I eat it because I'm sick and I need, you know, I need nutrition. I need to eat something and my test bugs still want the African food. I won't eat as much as I used to eat then. Well, I'm glad to hear that your taste buds can get African food. It sounds like it's a challenge still with the nausea to enjoy your favorite foods. If you could eat exactly what you wanted and you didn't have any nausea, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is shima. It's an African meal from my country. That's our staple food. It's made out of cornmeal. That's my favorite food. It's called shima. So we eat it with um, any type of relish. You can have it with beef. You can have it with chicken or fish. And what would your reaction be if you were served shima in the hospital? I would be so excited. I would be so excited. But I don't even think of that because I know it can't happen. <laughs> I know. I know. You're not the first person I've heard say, you know, <laughs> Actually, from um, from other people who their first foods are not like hamburgers, mac and cheese, chicken fingers, I've heard that their family brings them food. Now, will it, has your mom been bringing you food when you are in the hospital? Last week when, when I was in the hospital, yes, she did bring me food. She did bring me food once. When I'm admitted in the hospital, it's hard for mom to come and see me because she's not familiar with, with how to, to get to the hospital. She doesn't have an American number, so she's ever home and I'm always communicating with her through WhatsApp because once she leaves home, once she leaves home, she doesn't have internet. So it's very hard for her to come visit me at the hospital. So last week when I was meeting for about four days, she only came once. One of my neighbors here at the apartment had to give her a lift and brought her there. Generally, what has been, how much time are you spending admitted to the hospital versus doing outpatient treatments? On that one, I think I've lost count. I can't really tell. I've lost count. Even my chemotherapy programs really change due to how I feel. So I was supposed to have chemo this week, but I have I've not had chemo because I was admitted last week. So my plans and programs are based on how I feel on a daily basis. And whenever they draw blood and whatever results come out, then they'll decide. When I was on the pill, it was very easy though. It was very easy for, for them to make a plan for me. But now that these tumors keep growing and the blood counts to, um, and the white blood cells are dropping. So it's very hard for them to make a program. Even though they do make my appointment schedules, they do change according to how I feel. Like I said, I was supposed to have chemotherapy this week, but it has changed because I was in hospital last week. So they had to reschedule my appointments again. I imagine that has to be hard not being able to see a specific date and know this is when you're going to go through it or know when, when ideally, you know, this, you know, do this and, and the side effect should be done by X date. I'm sure that's difficult to have a constantly changing schedule. Yeah, very difficult. Cecilia, what happened? We asked you that we should ask you. 
anything. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it even harder than anything. What are you most scared of, Cecilia? I'm scared of dying. And I know that this cancer is a deadly disease. I'm just hoping one day I'll be free from cancer. I don't want to die. I'm only 36 years and I still have to travel. I'm not married yet, no kids yet. I would love to get married and have my own home. But knowing that cancer is a deadly disease, I'm slowly living in fear. In as much as I don't want to think about it, but it keeps coming to my mind that maybe tomorrow I might not wake up. So the thing I fear most now is death. Yeah, that is, it's hard to avoid thinking about that Mm -hmm. cancer diagnosis. Yeah. And you said that you try not to, as much as you try not to think about it, it still comes up. It still comes up. It's very hard to avoid it. And so how do you make sense of that? Like you have something that is really serious and also you have a lot of hope. Actually, I'm a Christian who believes in God, but recently my Christianity has gone a bit down. Maybe it's because of what I'm going through. You know, when you believe too much in God and things tend not to work, you begin to wonder if really God is there. I know God is really there, but I've just been having doubts, just been having second thoughts. This thing comes up. It's just a mixture of different feelings coming up in as much as I would love to avoid it, but it keeps coming back. But I'm still hoping and I know that one day I'll be free from cancer. So you know, you, you trust that one day you'll be free of cancer. Exactly. I have other hopes because I feel I'm in a better country and receiving good treatment. So that also gives me hope. People with money back home in my country do travel to America, India, or Turkey to seek for medical attention. So I feel it's a plus for me that I'm already here in America, and that really gives me hope. So knowing that, despite the fact that you came, um, it sounds like you came because you wanted to do some traveling. It feels supportive to know, like you're here getting your treatment here, even though this is the last thing you expected when you got on the plane to the United States. Exactly. I came at the right time. And then the other hopes of having a home and finding love are still there. Yes. And Cecilia, upon completion of treatment, where would be the first place you'd go? Florida. I want to see the beach and the palm trees. (laughs) I want to see the beach and the palm trees. I just see those things on Facebook and on the (laughs) internet. I want to go. I want to see the beach and the palm trees. So Florida, the next stop. No Mickey Mouse? No. Just a beach (laughs) in a bikini. (laughs) A bikini, a beach, and some palm trees. No Mickey Mouse. I think that you have good taste, Cecilia. Maybe a final question here. You know, for some other young person who finds themselves um, with a diagnosis of cancer Mm -hmm. and being scared of dying, what advice, what words would you tell them if you... We're sitting beside them. Okay. So I would encourage them to take a day at a time. They need to find meaning of the challenge they are going through. First thing, they have to accept it. Once they accept it, they have to find meaning of the challenge they they are going through. And taking a day at a time, really, that has helped me. And the Bible too has really, really helped me. My favorite scripture is Ephesians 3 verse 20. 
which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Christ can do exceedingly and abundantly things in my life. So really, I would encourage them to accept the situation and the challenge they are going through. And they need to find meaning for that challenge. And taking a day at a time, it's very hard if you're going through a challenge and you feel, oh, you can control that situation when it can't be controlled. So you need to accept it, find meaning for it, take a day at a time. That's really well said. Well, thank you for sharing. I appreciate you going through all those questions with us. Is there anything else you would want to add or anything we haven't covered? Okay, I'm just grateful. Thank you so much, guys, for having me and hope to do this again. Hope to get together in person, not on Zoom. And yeah, hope to meet other people too. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Cecilia. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.